0: Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Better, Better Call Daddy. Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my god, that's hysterical. You're not gonna believe this.
1: Oh, oh my
0: god. god. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Uh-huh. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy.
2: Hey, yay. It's a phony baloney.
0: And a tit for tatter.
2: Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs>
0: Today's guest is a world-renowned author and YouTube's favorite rabbi. He's here today to give us his thoughts on love, religion, and soulmates. Rabbi Manis Friedman, welcome. Hello, hello.
1: Hello. Who am I talking to? There are three people on the screen.
0: (laughs) That's me and my daddy.
1: Nice. Nice program.
0: Thank you. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I have never had a rabbi or a Magid on my show.
1: Hmm. wonder why. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I didn't even actually know the word magied until I picked up your book, Doesn't Anyone Blush Anymore. That's pretty cool that you're referred to as that.
1: No, PR is very important.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The problems that people come to you with, how have they changed from the beginning of your career until now?
1: It's a very good question. I went to a party celebrating the retirement of a psychiatrist. He had been a psychiatrist for 50 years. So he got up to speak. And he says, let me summarize 50 years of psychotherapy. The first 25 years, ultimately, I ended up saying to every client, I know you love your mother, but deep down inside, don't you hate her? The next 25 years, I inevitably ended up saying to my clients, I know you hate your mother, but deep down inside, don't you really love her?
0: Wow, that's interesting. So you think it's like a lot of inner child healing?
1: Yeah, a lot of that. Too much, too much of that. So what I've noticed is the loneliness. For the first couple of years, it was the infighting. You know, the friction with the parents and the disagreements and the rebellions. And now it's more, I got no relationships. I'm alone in the world. Loneliness, terrible thing.
0: That's interesting. I I actually asked my husband after watching one of your interviews, I said to him, do you feel lonely? And his response to that was, I'd like to feel lonely. I would like 10 days in a man cave.
1: There's something worse than loneliness. And that is being alone. Big difference. If you're lonely, go to a party. When you come home from the party, you're, you're lonely again. No, when you come home from the party, you're alone. Much worse than loneliness like that famous song, they're sharing a drink they call loneliness, but it's better than drinking alone.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. And it kind of reminds me too of something that I read in your book where you said, what if our purpose here, if we were created to be with our soulmate, that really hit me. What if we were created to find our other half of our soul and to serve God? Like that is deep to really think about that. I don't think I've ever thought about my purpose. Is that before?
1: There are three questions that every soul is asked when it comes back to heaven. Interesting. The first question is, were you honest in business? Second question is, did you raise a family? And the third question is, were you looking forward to the coming of Mashiach? In other words, what did you think the future would be? Those are fundamentals.
0: So what about people who can't have a family?
1: They deserve some special compensation. What about people who can't make a living?
0: (laughs) Another thing that really grabbed my attention that you said too is when someone is able to get remarried, that they were given a second chance. I really liked that idea. Can you talk to me about that?
1: Well, sometimes the second chance is better than the first chance. So it's not a consolation prize. It's not like the second one can be better than the first one. But for whatever reason... The first one was destined to be the first and the second one was destined to be the second.
0: How does that work, though, on a soul level?
1: You marry your soul mate, which means the only person you can marry is someone who has another part of your soul. You marry somebody who doesn't have another part of your soul. It's not a marriage. Marriage is a magical thing, not just some agreement between a man and a woman or two men or two women. There's something magical about marriage, and that is that the two parts of the same soul find each other and become reunited, whereas it's just a man and a woman decide to live together. That may be a good union, but it's not a reunion. Marriage, by definition, is a reunion.
0: Now, you did just mention a guy and a guy and a girl and a girl, right? Yeah,
1: which is not a marriage.
0: Okay. But you do think that their souls could be part of the same soul? Or that only happens during marriage?
1: That is the definition of marriage. But two men, two women can have a very good union. No guarantees, you know. The divorce rates there are just as high as maybe higher. But you can have a good union. Just don't call it a marriage because a marriage is a reunion. A reunion of a male-female division in the soul.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Let's
1: put it another way. The original human being, Adam, Before there was Eve, the original human being was male and female. Why we need to know this? Why does the Torah tell us? It's kind of weird. It was like two sides of a coin, male on one side, female on the other side. Then God separates them, and they become two. And immediately after separating, God says, therefore, you should get married and become one, which is, again, mysterious. You'll never be as one as you used to be. So here's the beauty of it. It's because God created us as male and female, the original human being, the original perfect human being is male and female. The separation of male from female is not natural, right? That that's a change in our nature. So it's a step down, not a step up. Therefore, through marriage, you can become one again and regain your oneness. That's a reunion. The question is, why separate them at all? To become one through marriage, but it's not the same kind of oneness. They're not Siamese twins. The difference is, originally when God created the human being, it was male and female, back to back. God said, that's not good enough. He separated them and said, now become one through marriage, and that's face to face.
0: Why did he do that?
1: because face-to-face is much more intimate.
0: Mm.
1: Back-to-back is a fact. Yes, you're You're bonded, you're bonded very, very strongly, but there's no intimacy, there's no romance. To become one face-to-face, that's intimate. And that's why physical intimacy should always be face-to-face.
0: Right, you've written about that also.
1: So this is where we get the need to reunite. The reason a man and a woman marry is because the male and the female is what got separated and they need to come back together. So two men or two women, that's not fixing anything. It's not the reunion.
0: What happens when it's not pleasurable?
1: The marriage or the intimacy? Both. Gotta fix it. Pleasurable is natural. So if it's not pleasurable, then something's getting in the way. And by the way, if the separation is unnatural then by nature, we are one. We are one, but something separated us. So how do we go back to being one? Get rid of the separation. Whatever it is that's coming between you, get it out of the way and you will naturally become one because that's your true nature. So if something is preventing you from dissolving into each other, like two drops of water becoming one, then something's getting in the way. You got to remove it. And that something can be love. Love and sex get in the way. And that's why, in a generation where there is more love and more sex than ever, marriages are terrible. Ever since Tevya's daughters decided to marry out of love, what a radical idea, ever since then, marriages have gotten weaker and weaker and more difficult and more frustrating because it works something like this anything other than. The man and the woman, anything can become an obstacle to their oneness, can come between them, including the thing that they both enjoy. So, for example, they both love pina colada and walks in the rain. So they, they get married, but they're not married to each other. They're each married to the pina colada and to the walks in the rain. So it seems like it brings them together, but it actually remains the obstacle. That keeps them apart because take away the pina colada, there's no relationship. So if I marry you for love and you marry me for love, we're not married to each other. We're each married to love.
0: That reminds me of the example in your book where you brought up your uncle and how he overlooked saying something to you, correcting you or something. The point you were trying to illustrate was, you know, we need to overlook what's not important.
1: Oh, yeah. Especially with intimacy. Intimacy is a fragile thing. Anything can get in the way. So sex ruins intimacy because it's a thing. Two people doing a thing that's not going to let them merge and become one. There's this thing.
0: And you also said that our generation, too, has been really influenced by pornography.
1: Yeah. Yes. In, in the average home in America, what happens in the bedroom is pornography something that would never be accepted 40 years ago it was it was horrible remember the old i remember but have you seen the replays of the old television shows like uh, i love lucy uh, always two beds always lights off right they turned off the lamp and then you knew that they were being intimate they were never intimate with the lights on where did that come from pornography yeah because if you're taking a picture you need lights
0: So you think that the light's on is a problem?
1: Very much. Very much. It's so unnatural, not just for religious people. The norm, the standard was intimacy is in the dark because, for a very simple reason, if the lights are on, you're going to see. You see things. Everything will come between you. Pornography means an increase of interest and pleasure in intimacy. (laughs) No, it doesn't. There's nothing intimate about it. There's nothing romantic about it. On the contrary, by seeing each other, you lose interest in each other because you're distracted by what you see. That's impersonal. That's objectifying. And of course, the proof of it is that after a couple have been intimate, it's quite common for them to ask. One asks the other, how was it? You just shared the most intimate moment You just merged into one being and you don't know how it was? No, you don't. Because you were so wrapped up in your own experience. That's not called bonding. That's called separating. And the culprit is the it. There was an it that came between you. There should have been just the two of you.
0: How can we be better partners?
1: Be partners to each other, not to something about each other. A man says, I love everything about my wife. I said, that's strange. Your wife wants a divorce. <laughs> you love everything about your wife. You just don't need her. See, if a man says, I'm marrying out of love. I marry you for love. So as long as you're giving me love, I'm, I'm happy. You start giving me your opinion. I didn't ask for that. I'm sorry. You have a personality. That's not what I married. You're in a bad mood. Well, too bad. I didn't marry your moods. I only married your love. So keep the love coming and shut up with the rest. That's today's marriage.
0: What about people who didn't know what they were getting into?
1: So in many cases, they really luck out. It's a blessing from heaven that they really do get into each other, even though they didn't expect it. They get past the love and past the sex, and they really merge with each other. So what does it mean to be into each other? I asked this guy. He loves everything about his wife. I said, yeah, but what just what about her? He says, what about her? I said, do you love her? He says, what about her? I said, no, not about her, just her. He says, I don't know what that means. If you take all things away, what's left? So I love her money. I love her love. I love her sense of humor. I love her looks. I love her family. See, I love everything. Do you love her? If you could have her family and her sex and her looks and her sense of humor without her, wouldn't that be perfect? Mm -hmm. So if a man says, I want to marry you for your money, he's actually saying, can I just have the money? Don't complicate things. Just give me the money.
0: How do you explain that to a 19 or 20 year old with a shidduch resume?
1: See, that's what shidduch is almost the the antidote. You're not marrying because you fell in love. You're marrying because it's time to get married and it's just a matter of finding somebody. And why do you have to find somebody? because it's not good to be alone. And how do you stop being alone? If you let somebody else into your life, not something else. We have all things. We got plenty of stuff. We're lonely. So another stuff isn't gonna do it. And sex is stuff. It's a thing. You can have it, not have it, have a little, have a lot. It's a thing. So I've been teaching this for about 45 years. Primarily to women, because they get it. So what does it mean to have someone else in your life? Someone who isn't you. But that's the part we don't like. So do you have room for someone other than you in your life? That's the question. So a good example would be when your husband is out of town, you miss him. I miss him so much. So really, what do you miss about him? What do I miss? I miss him. He's not home, so I miss him. Yeah, well, well, what do you miss about him the most? It's a ridiculous question. He's missing from my reach. Sad thing is, the minute he walks in the door, it becomes about something. Oh, good, now you're home, take out the garbage. Can you pick up the kids? Right. But we do know what it means to miss someone, not something about them. So here's the bumper sticker for marriage, for so the newlywed car, you know, just married. The bumper sticker should say, Nothing about your wife can be more important than your wife. And is so essential.
0: I feel like that's very hard. I mean, I didn't grow up religious, so I was very self-centered. I still probably am until my mid-20s. Then I feel like your worldview changes a little bit.
1: If you're wise, for most people, it doesn't change till they're 40. So you're way ahead of the game.
0: I said it started around 25. That's when I was like, okay, I see my parents are like trying to set me up at every family event. Like maybe I should try to find someone for myself. And then I got on J-Date.
1: Someone, that's something.
0: But I am trying to become less self-centered and I am over 40. So (laughs) it's really interesting to think about all of this. And another thing too, that I would like to ask you about is how do we serve God?
1: When God created us, what he was trying to tell us is that he is not content being himself. Otherwise, why bother creating? And he did not create us in order to get something from us. It's just to have us. And that's why religious, not religious, he needs you, not some service. He's not trying to get something from you. That's abuse. So what's with all the mitzvot and the commandments and the do's and the don'ts? Can you imagine if a husband, could sit down and write a completely honest, painfully honest description of himself. This is me. This is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is what I crave. This is what I... Before he, they get married, he hands her the list. She knows exactly who she's marrying. She knows exactly how to get to him. You know, the way to a man's heart is through his stomach. <laughs> but it's not his stomach you're aiming for. It's his heart. So God says, I need you with me. So let me tell you what I am, so you'll know what with me means. So for example, God says, I created the world in six days and I rested on the seventh. That's me. To me, the seventh day is something special. Want to join me? The purpose of the mitzvah is not to have the mitzvah. The purpose is to have you. But how does he have you if he's observing Shabbat and you're not? So every commandment is really a description of himself, which tells you how you can get to him. So the mitzvah is not the objective. The oneness is the objective. Be mine. How? Oh, there are 613 ways. And that's why if you don't do the mitzvah, he still needs you. He'll wait, maybe tomorrow. In fact, If one of your children won't come to the Shabbat Shabbat table when you're observing Shabbat, you don't need that child anymore? Or do you need him a little more? Because you miss him. So here's here's a summary. You get married when you're perfect. Because if you're not perfect, you're still looking for things. If I'm not perfect and I marry you, I want something from you that will make me perfect. So it's not really about you. When I am perfect, and I really don't need anything from you. Now I really want to marry you. So any guy who proposes to you obviously has some problems. <laughs> because if he was healthy and sound mind, then what would he need you for? Isn't that a good question? That is. Right. So a guy says, please marry me. I can't live without you. You're one sick guy. Go get therapy. So what should a man say? Please marry me. I am perfect and I need nothing. But without you, what's it all for? My perfection would not be meaningful.
0: Wow. So the woman makes him meaningful.
1: I'm not missing something. I'm missing you. Now that's romantic.
0: All right. Cue the music. How do we get closer with our spouses?
1: Find out what is most precious to your spouse and join him.
0: And what are the most common things in the way?
1: (laughs) One of the most pleasurable things that are close to a a guy's heart is driving. If you tell him how to drive, you're not joining him. You're criticizing him. Doesn't go over big.
0: That's funny.
1: But if you say, I just love driving with you. I can relax when you're driving. That's it. He'll love you forever.
0: I'm going to try that. Did you learn this from your parents?
1: Yes. And from, from the studies in yeshiva and Hasidic philosophy, and here's the final thought. If you do tell me what is most precious to you and then ask me to join you, what does that tell me about me? If I want to give you what is most precious to me, doesn't that mean that you're even more precious? Why am I giving you what is most precious to me? Because what is most precious to me is just a thing And I'd rather have you than the thing. So if God gives us the Torah, he gives us the mitzvah, and those are the most precious things to him. Now we know that we are the most precious ones. Those are the precious things. We are the precious ones. We're running out of time, but let's use a quick analogy. A mother asks her son to make her tea every day, three times a day. The son obediently makes his mother tea three times a day every day for 50 years at the end of 50 years he finds out his mother does not drink tea so he says to his mother well what was that all about she says come on it's not about tea i don't need tea i wanted to get closer to you beautiful huh
0: i love that that's a great lesson
1: it's horrible (laughs) she's the worst mother of the year you see If I don't want you in my life and you're a pest and a nudnik and I want to get rid of you, you know what I would do? I would ask you to bring me tea (laughs) just to keep you busy and out of my life. To make it really, really clear. This mother has another son. She asked the other son to bring her coffee. She loves coffee. Now you see?
0: That's sad.
1: The first son, she asked him to bring tea. She didn't allow closeness, she prevented closeness, because mm-hmm. you don't get close to somebody by doing something they don't need. So what was positive about the son? He's obedient, but obedience is not closeness.
0: Ooh, that's oh, that's a good lesson. And wow. a big
1: mistake that religious people make, they don't see the difference between obedient and close. You're obedient only where you can't get close. You obey a king because he'll never be your friend. Judaism is beautiful if you don't mess it
0: up. Yeah, I've had some obstacles with it.
1: <laughs> and the biggest one is people think Judaism is a religion. So if you keep Shabbat or if you keep kosher, oh, you're religious. No, I'm Jewish. This is what God asked of Jews. That's why I do it. So by doing these things, I'm not becoming religious. I'm just acting on my Jewishness. So that whole artificial pompous structure of religion, more religious than most religions, the top religions, that is such a disease. It doesn't belong in Judaism at all.
0: Yeah, I love that you said that. Why has it become so external?
1: Because we live among religious people and we mimic them. It's not Jewish. The sad thing is we're older than them. So we were what we were before they even existed. And yet we kind of joined them in becoming religious about Judaism. That's sad. And the most important thing, religion is meant to get you to heaven. We don't want to go to heaven. We want to bring heaven down to earth, opposite direction. And that should be our message to the world. Don't try to get to heaven. You got to die to
0: get there. It's not a good idea. (laughs) How do we bring heaven here?
1: Well, God didn't create the world so that you can get off the world and go to heaven. He created the world because he's really interested in this world, not in heaven. The funny thing is people say, I want to get closer to God. I'm going to go to heaven. God is on earth, but we're not making him very welcome. Mm. So the objective is to make God comfortable with his creation. How do we do that? You do what pleases him like any good wife. This was very enjoyable. I love this topic, as you can tell.
0: (laughs) Yeah, thank you so much. Now, let's switch it over to Grandpa.
2: Very interesting episode with Manus Friedman. He sounds like a relative. As my grandfather would say, uh, how's your better half doing? And he had the same philosophy as my grandmother and grandparents and their parents and their parents and their parents. So the truth of the matter is, is that to have a relationship and when you're constantly looking to please your partner, it makes you feel better where you're not looking for anything in return, but you're looking to share your life with someone and where you feel passionate, about life because you're sharing your life with someone else and making yourself whole. You do that even with your children. I get a a much bigger kick out of Stephanie winning a championship when we played chess than winning one even myself. And that's the thing. The idea is that if you want to be closer to God or you want to be closer to a person, you have to be able to give of yourself without expecting anything back. If you are seeking a pleasure back, or there's a price for you to do something, it's not real. That's when the material things get in the way, or objects get in the way, and it's not real. I agree 100% with the rabbi. I think he's got it right. He's got a good last name, too. I like the Jewish name.
0: (laughs) Wow, that's an interesting perspective you have on that. You got a little uh, intimacy lesson from Mr. Friedman.
2: Isn't that funny? I'm commenting as a Friedman to Friedman. It's almost like a connection. The other thing that I thought was very interesting is that the movie should not be the example for lovemaking. Something you have to feel and be connected with and to be intimate with someone shouldn't be where it should be on the video or on the TV or where you're taking pictures. Of seeing how, how it looks rather than how it really feels. Life has some very interesting twists. The irony is that when we don't get it right or we're not really communicating or connecting with your partner 100%, does that mean throw the relationship into the wind? Unfortunately, it's not an easy puzzle because we also have to, as I've mentioned before, that we have to set an example if we want our children be able to overcome adversities and things that get in the way. We have to show that by example as well. And we have to work on it all the time.
0: Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn.